Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. From Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have an accomplished guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of the art of relationships. So let's jump right in and meet our guest, Damian Walsh, the Managing Director of Risk and Advisory Services from Deloitte. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. You. Can you tell our listeners more about you and how you got into the world of risk and business continuity? About me, I'll start with the about me. Born and raised in Chicago. I've been married for 30 years. I just had hit my 30 year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, three children and Midwestern guy. A little bit of a technology background and a, and a consulting background. I've, I started my career at Electronic Data Systems, which was Ross Perot's old company. Started there, I got my MBA. My foray into this discipline, I would say, risk, business continuity, disaster recovery, was when I went to Comdisco. After I got my MBA, I went to Comdisco, which was one of the, the big three founders of this disaster recovery world that we're all in. And I was there for 10 years. I started as a consultant. I left as a senior vice president of professional services. And um, had a, what I like to say is I had a cup of coffee with SunGuard after they acquired Comdisco. I worked at T-Systems for a little while. And, and ultimately, I now have been at, uh, at Deloitte for 13 years, which is pretty crazy to out. But that, that combination of Comdisco experience from a business continuity disaster recovery perspective, and really the risk, the technology risk and the business continuity or, or the business risk experience at Deloitte, how I got into this field. And so what are the people skills that you've been able to pick up along the way that have really prepared you for Deloitte? So a couple of things. The first thing I would say really the most important is, is, is listening. I unfortunately think nowadays that people are so so busy, they're so distracted with their phones and tablets and everything else. Probably the biggest challenge in business today is the level of distraction. So listening and being engaged in a con conversation is probably the most important thing. I mean, this is exaggerated right here, yeah. but, but I try to do this. I try to make eye contact, right? I, I try to put technology away most of the time. So that's first. Secondly, I would say is Similarly, is empathy, is thinking about the other person you're talking to, thinking about them, what they're dealing with, what they're going through. Consulting, that's, that's a very important skill because clients, organizations, there's business cycles, there's culture, there's people have bad days. And to be empathetic, to think about what they're going through is another one of those important people skills. You mentioned consulting, mm -hmm. which is all about relationships. It's a, it's a big, big, big part of it, yeah. How would you define, quote unquote, the art of relationships? It's funny that you say the art is, you know, we've talked about this, but uh, it didn't hit me until just the other day that, that this, you called it the art of relationships. The interesting thing is at, at uh, Deloitte, we actually have an art series where we talk mm. about the art of empathy. We talk about the art of the story, how to tell a story to somebody. So it is an art. It truly is. So art of relationships, let's break that down a little bit. Relationships are connections. And 
we have connections all the time, right? We, we were just before this, we were just chatting about, about stuff, right? About basketball, about being tall, about your, your, your husband. And those are the things that start a connection and you build from there. So relationships are connections, first of all, that's the important thing. As a consultant, we could, I could potentially meet, I, I bet, I haven't thought about it before, but I could probably be, meet 500 people in a year between current clients that we have, between new clients, prospective clients. Each one of those, I don't have to go do work with them. I don't have to do a project for them, but it's a connection point and it's a potential relationship that could go further. And if you just think about that and you're, again, you're an active listener, bring them some insight, you help them with a, a problem or a challenge that they have, that's the start of a relationship. And that's the, that's the art of a relationship. It's, it's not about you. It's about what the other person's getting out of it. I love that. And it really ties back into the whole point of being empathetic. Absolutely. So I'm in business and you are too. From my understanding about your role, it's not just about the consulting practice, but you're really building something, right? Absolutely. And so what I think about is when does the relationship component start? which in my head, sometimes that can start before the client even knows who you are, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so the question is, you know, when does the relationship component start within consulting mm -hmm. and how? You said consulting a couple times, and I would say this is a, a, applicable to anything. Forget about the consulting piece. Obviously, it's coming from a consulting perspective. Mm -hmm. So when does it start? I, I completely agree with you. It starts well before. And that includes when you set up a meeting with somebody, when we set this up, it's being respectful of time, being on time for something, knowing the logistics of, of something, the logistics of the discussion, knowing a little bit about the person. I don't want to say I live on LinkedIn, but I look at it a lot. If I have a meeting with, with six people, I had, we had a meeting with a very large client last week, a workshop, and there were say where there were 12 people in this, this room. I'd never met any of them before. We looked up every single one of them and knew a little bit about them. Not to schmooze with them, not to you know, drop a name or, or do something like that. We just wanted a little insight into them. Right. And that's where a relationship, that's the before. Even uh, this weekend, my, my daughter and my son had their homecoming. And I even did it with people that I was meeting at the picture parties. I wanted to be able to walk up and say, hey, how are you? I, you know, I'm, I'm Evan's dad or I'm Kendall's dad. It starts before the discussion. So, I love that. So I, so I hear, do your research. Absolutely. Going back to the point of connections, that's how you find what your connections are, right? Or that's Absolutely one way. correct. Absolutely correct. A wise person once said, he who asks the questions controls the conversation. And when you think about your approach to asking questions in order to learn from perspective and existing clients, what is your approach to asking questions that ultimately create value? All right, so I'm going to break that down again. Okay, so what's my approach to asking questions? I'm going to go back to the, the art thing again. At Deloitte, what we've done, it, probably about seven or eight years ago, we, we did a ton of research and we worked with our human capital team and our analytics team. We actually worked with the, the uh, doctor, the PhD that created or was one of the founders of Match.com. We identified four different business chemistries. If you've ever taken a personality test, a Myers-Briggs test or something, very similar, but this is a specifically about business chemistry. 
And we looked at four different business chemistries. Drivers, your, your traditional, for anybody that took a Myers-Briggs, a, a traditional ENTJ, a type A personality, right? Somebody that's, that's getting things done. Drivers, guardians. Guardians are, tend to be organized, methodical, deliberate. Think of a CFO or an auditor. Drivers, guardians, pioneers, kind of obvious, right? An innovator, somebody that has ideas, generates ideas, and an integrator. Integrator, somebody that brings people together. So driver, pioneer, guardian, integrator. Back to the art uh, concept is when we look up people, we, or, you know, when I look up people on, on LinkedIn, what they are. When I think about what questions I'm going to ask somebody, I ask them based on what kind of personality I think they, they are. If, I, if you walk into a guardian and have a first discussion, they're going to be, sometimes they're going to be kind of closed off. They won't share anything with you until yeah. you share something with them. If you walk into a pioneer and ask questions, they're going to tell you anything that you, they're going to ramble and talk about the color of the paint and how good the coffee is and anything else. So you've got to think about the types of questions that you're going to ask. Ultimately, I'm going to go back to that value piece that you mentioned. I try to, and I would say we, our, my practice, our practice, we try to ask questions that will ultimately get to a insight, something of value for that client. I, I do tend to think that, that the word value or that phrase value add is a little overused, but ultimately we, we want anybody to walk out of a conversation and say, that was, that was helpful, that was insightful, yeah. that's, a big, that's a win for us. I think of two types of people. There are the people inside of an organization, and I'm thinking about consultants. And your model of the influencer, can both groups of people take that same concept and apply it, whether they're in a consulting organization or whether they're internal to the business? They have to. We talk to, we, we talk to, our, so we talk to our clients. We talk to business continuity professionals, industry professionals all the time. What we try to do is, is say, you should be an advisor. And there's a lot of times I don't even say consultant. I talk about being, you know, I'm an advisor. We're advisors. They should be advisors to their, to the business. They should be advisors to the technology people. They're advising them. People within a company are advising the business people about the risks in their environment, about confidence that they should have in recoverability or the confidence that they should have in their program. If they're not advising, they're probably doing something wrong. So in some respects, we're enabling them. We're, help, we're, we're trying to get them to be more self-sufficient in some cases. Um, so you've been leading people for a long time. Uh, yeah, a very long time. It's <laughs> and, scary. <laughs> so I think about the technical skills and I think about soft skills. What's the right balance that you look for when you're hiring? Here's the, the challenge. As we sit in front of, you know, Bluetooth microphones and we're doing a podcast and you've got a, t a tablet in front of you and everybody's got to be tech savvy nowadays. Everybody. So there's really not, it's, it's immersed in everything you do. So I don't think you can break down a percentage. Now, I'll take it a step further, right? And some of the stuff that we do when you're talking about very large companies with data centers and cloud technology. We were doing some stuff around robotic process automation and artificial intelligence. Now we're getting a little, we're stretching past some people's skill sets. You've got to know what those, some of those things are, but you're not going to be able to 
implement them or any of that. I think the soft skills are probably the most important. I think they're the most important thing in business today. People are so stretched. Executives are stretched for time. They're all stretched for time. The ability to, to sit down for a little while and, make, and again, make a connection, yeah. get somebody to put their phone down and engage and I say it to my, my three kids all the time, it's the most important thing nowadays. And it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. Yeah. The soft skills are huge. And, the, and the, the tech savviness, the tech knowledge is becoming a bit more per pervasive. You almost have to have it. So I've seen in some various studies that the consulting or the service-based industry will continue to grow. And so my question to you is, if there are people who want to be a consultant who may not be as proficient as folks on, on your team or, you know, like yourself, what are the one to two things that you can recommend that you do yeah. to be more effective as a advisor? Yep. So candidly, we do most, the most successful hires that we have are campus hires. What does and that mean? We recruit right off of college campuses. So I'll be in two days, I'll be at one of the big universities state universities, I'll be at University of Illinois recruiting people. And that's, the, that's a perfect example where if I have a kid coming out of an MBA program or undergraduate, they have no business acumen at all. They have no experience whatsoever. And that's their first question is how do I, how am I realistically going to a company and consulting with them? So let's go back to those skills, right? The first is those consultants or business analysts they have to be sponges. They have to have wonderful listening skills. And then the next point, the next one is problem solving skills or critical thinking. The big thing that I talk about is critical thinking, breaking down problems, breaking down challenges within organizations, and then trying to come up with solutions. And what we'll do with those, those students or those consultants is they'll start to present those to myself, our senior managers, our managers, and it's a dialogue. It's a, it's a collaboration. It's challenging sometimes. So listening, critical thinking, creativity is a big deal. Because you have to look at problems differently. You have to present things in a different way. You just present in bullets or find some clip art to put in a PowerPoint. It's not going to work. We do, so, <laughs> we do so many more things with no PowerPoint now. We go back to manual things, again, to get away from technology. And then the very last one very last piece is kind of adapt is the adaptability, the ability to think on the fly and adapt to a situation. Those are the biggest things. And I would wrap one more thing on top of it all. We talk about storyboarding or the flow of a discussion. In some respects, it goes back to the preparation for a, a meeting or a preparation for a discussion on an idea of how the discussion should go. And those are the four or five skills that are really important. And you can find those skills out there. So. I'm going to go back to the comment on value. Okay. Um, because exactly to your point. My point about that. <laughs> yes. So value is used a lot. And it in is. this discipline as, well, first of all, I used to say industry until I met Damien. <laughs> really? Yes. See, and now I go. call there's it a, a discipline. There's a perfect example, right? Some little, one little connection. That's, a, that's awesome. Um, in this space, people always say, well, I can't measure the value or what's the real ROI. Or yes. I've heard of Regina Phelps say, well, it's the value on investment. So what do you see as creating value? That's an awesome question. That is an awesome question. Okay. So probably the biggest challenge that this discipline or this industry, and I will actually say industry here, 
is the lack of ability to measure value. We talk to so many companies and they say, oh, we have plans for everything, or we, do BIA, we did a BIA last year, or we do tests all the time. So many times when we walk into organizations that say things like that, we look at the plans, we look at the exercise results, and they're, they're garbage. They're, they're checking a box and they're going through the motions. So the ability to measure value or return is absolutely critical. So the only real way to do that is if you think about the, we talk about heartbeat business services, or I'm going to throw some out there. This doesn't mean I work with any of these companies. I do anything with any of these companies. If you think about a company like Randall Till, who, who's a member of the exec board, Nike. Uh, Nike is, Nike's value services are marketing and research. In many respects, it's not manufacturing. It's not distribution and supply chain. It's marketing and research. So if you can protect or show how you're protecting that value, that end-to-end -end value stream, that end-to-end -end business service, there's value there. In an e-commerce environment, we've done work with some of the fast food companies. When an e-commerce site goes down or a mobile, the, the ability to order food mm -hmm. from a mobile site goes down, that's millions of dollars. We talk about that all the time. At a, at a disaster recovery journal conference, People will talk about, oh, this company lost millions of dollars, but we don't talk about what we've protected mm. very much. Mm. So it's the ability to go back to the revenue, the margin, the transactions that were protected by a strategy or a, or a plan or a playbook. Yep. Love that. So shift the conversation about what you're protecting. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Okay. There has been consolidation between consulting and within business continuity. And I'm specifically speaking of the big four, as well as some of the boutique firms mm -hmm. that, that exist. Why do you think that is? There hasn't been, uh, there hasn't been a lot of consolidation in the, in the big four. I mean, the big four is still the big four, right? A couple have changed and changed names and things. In the boutique space, there has been some consolidation. So here's what I would say. I would say probably three things. The first is some of the technologies that I alluded to before cloud, mobile technology, have to be able to adapt stuff. Firm is, it's going to be challenging to do that. Yeah. You know, I create a piece of software, I create a technology, a platform, and nine months later, it's changed already. And so the ability to keep up with that is really difficult. If you mm -hmm. look, like, uh, look at a company like Peloton, bike company with the virtual, they just went public the other day, they're losing a ton of money. That's because they're trying to figure out how to stay ahead of that curve. Mm -hmm. The first piece is just the, the technology that's out there. That's number one. I said it before, the pace of change. Yeah. The, the pace of change is ridiculous. Every organization in the world is talking about agile technologies and squads and tribes and everybody's doing it. The ability to, keep, to, 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 make, to adapt and make changes is really critical. The third piece actually doesn't have anything to do with our industry, I don't think. It's the private equity. Mm. And when boutiques... And not all boutiques are using a private equity, but most of them have investors. And investors want, I'll go back to the previous question, they want a return on investment. Yeah. So if there's not a return on investment at some point, they're going to want their money back or they're going to change what are run in a company. Yeah. So those three things are probably driving a lot of that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so going back to the discipline, we're going back and forth here. <laughs> How have you seen this discipline change? You've, you've been in this game for yep, over yep. 20, 
years? I've been uh, 30 years. 30? 30 years. Yeah. Well, under 30 years. Under 30 years. So you know, I'll, I'll jokingly talk about I still totally remember making foils of presentations where they were the big plastic, whatever that loose, whatever they were, but the, the slides of things versus PowerPoint. Wow. Right, where you'd have to, have to print them out on a special printer. John's even <laughs> nodding his head at me. <laughs> you'd have to print them out on a special printer, and that took hours to do those things. So thank goodness that's changed. The first thing was there was a time when you had the title consultant or maybe senior consultant or manager. If you went in and talked to, told somebody something, they kind of went, well, they're a consultant or a senior consultant. They probably know what they're talking about. Now... The internet and Google searches and Wikipedia and all the websites that are out there and the DRJ website, there's so many more resources that anybody can look stuff up. Anybody can download plans or BIAs or whatever the heck they want to. So the again, going back to that, you have to bring a unique insight. You have to be able to have something different. Yep. You have to have a perspective. And if you don't have a perspective... Again, with that crunch time that most conversations are in, you're probably not, it's probably not going to be a very long conversation. So I'll tell you a very, very quick story. I remember I was, I was at Comdisco and I was doing work for a bank. In order to close the project, I had to get approval from this guy who ran a trade floor. Big trader, back when trading was even more crazy than it is today. I set up a meeting with him. I flew to New York just for one meeting, a 30-minute meeting. I remember I, I walked in the room about five. I wasn't late, but he let me in about five minutes after the meeting start. Pulled off his Rolex watch and he put it on the table. He said, all right, you have 15 minutes, go. And I was this close to, to walking out. I mean, I, I was, and I was a senior consultant. I had no, I probably would have gotten fired. But that was the first time that I thought, this person's time is more valuable. He doesn't want to think about business continuity or disaster recovery or these plans that we created or anything else. All he cares about is going back to a trade floor and making more money. Yeah. And that was the first time where I thought, I've got to be really concise in this approach. That's gotten even more accelerated. Again, I, I go back to technology, tech savviness, being poignant, being compelling with discussion points, doing research ahead of time, analytics, the ability to make, you know, provide information, but have it founded in some level of analysis. You can't just walk into a room and say, well, I think this, or most companies do this. Somebody wants to know what the, what the data is behind that. So those are the big changes that I've seen. Yeah, which ties back to those four different types of, of people that you described. Absolutely. And somebody is data-driven and they want to understand... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, we're we're advising and they're making business decisions from what we advise. And so you, you need to come to the table. You, you know, it's funny that you said that. That's what that's what a good consultant does, by the way. They actually think about I'm going to help this person make a decision. So many times mediocre consultants just want to get through the meeting. They just want to present a deliverable or they want to present a thing. What's important for a consultant or again, I'll go back to the word any advisor, even if they're in a company, what you're trying to do is influence somebody to do, the, do something different or a different approach. That's the, that's the key. Love that. So how do you foresee change over the next five to 10 years? And you've touched on this a lot in this conversation, but if you had to boil it down to the top two or three things, how do you foresee change over the next five to 10? 
So I'm going to, I am going to, I'll throw out a couple of technologies that I think are, are going to be really important. One of the big knocks in our industry, our discipline is, is testing, exercising, simulations. Companies don't do very much of it. Yep. And it's a struggle to get organizations to do it. One of the big technologies out there is, is robotic process automation. Very simply, you could think of it as macros or scripts or something. I think you're going to see robotic process automation be able to test and validate a recovery capability or a recovery strategy. That, I think, is going to be dramatic. And I wouldn't say in the next five years. I would probably say in the next two to three years. I do, cloud is obvious. While, while cloud, in many respects, is just a data center somewhere else, it's yeah. not. But, but companies are changing strategies very dramatically. And the ability to extract or disconnect biz, a business process from technology is virtually impossible nowadays. The last piece that I would probably say is, again, it's a little trite. I, I'm not trying to just throw you know, new, funky technologies out there. But I do think artificial intelligence is going to, and machine learning is going to play a role in some of this stuff. If you think about a retailer, what we would go tell a big retailer to do is you need to have a disaster recovery plan. So your e-commerce site doesn't go down and people can still buy things from your websites and from your stores. And you need point of sale devices. And you need to have those up and running all the time. What if there was a, disru a disruption, whether it was technology or physical or a malware situation and systems were unavailable, the stores could just order the things that most people buy most frequently, the highest velocity items. Your applications just figured that out automatically. I think that stuff is going to happen. Same thing with, with, with restaurants or some of the, the restaurant chains. McDonald's probably knows when they need to have Egg McMuffins and Big Macs and Quarter Pounders, and you could probably just automatically order those things versus building redundant systems that cost a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the last questions I have to ask you, um, do you have any published material, or excuse me, you and Deloitte, and yeah, where yeah. can our listeners find that? Wait, that's a good question. Uh, so you can come to me, and I, you know my name's out there. I'm on Twitter on Dean Walsh. You can find, I think you can find my name on the DRJ website, all those things. Or if you do a search on, on business resilience in Deloitte, you'll find all the material that we've, we've published. We've written articles. A lot of the material that we create is out on our public website. Okay. And a couple more fire questions. What's your favorite food? Duck. Duck confit. Okay. What's your favorite animal? I was just trying to impress you because your husband's a <laughs> former chef. That's really the only... <laughs> I do love duck, though. He'll appreciate that. <laughs> What's your favorite animal? My, my little dog, Ivy, is my favorite Ivy? animal. Ivy? <laughs> Ivy, yes. Okay. For the Cubs. Go Cubs. Unfortunately, they're not in the playoffs. Uh, what's your favorite destination? You didn't give me any hints about these. <laughs> my favorite destination, uh, Napa or Sonoma, the wine country in California. And what is the one habit that you do every day without fail? So I'm, I'm every day. Every day. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to sound a little corny. But, I, but you can't so, say brush my teeth. No, no, no. <laughs> so I really, I've gotten a little, I've gotten a little kind of new age in, in, as I get older. So I wake up every day. I do a little, um, I do a little, some brain stuff, meditate for 10 minutes. I write, I journal. Sounds kind of corny, but I do. I journal. 
and then I try to work out every morning. I, I work out sometime during the day, but I would prefer to do it those four things right away to start the day. Love and then it. I brush my teeth. <laughs> Honestly. And that, maybe that's not hygienic, but I do. I love it. Well, thank you very much for being here today. Well. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asphalusadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded. decoded.